Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The CEO Story. And we've got a cracker for you today. We've got James Creech, who is the co-founder and CEO of Paladin. James, welcome. Thanks, Casey. Excited to be here. Yeah, I was really, really interested in talking to you and learning about your background and your experience and all the various companies that you're involved in. You're an investor on many boards. You've grown Paladin very quickly. Uh, so can you kind of give us a high-level overview of your background in Paladin, and then we can jump in from there? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I started my career in ad tech, working with brands and media agencies to promote uh, content, right? Using paid media to drive uh, audience and awareness for them. And then worked at an influencer agency, Creator Network, helping social media influencers on platforms like Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, grow their audiences and connect with advertisers. So had uh, experiences really on both ends of the value chain. And when I was working with influencers, you know, experienced just a number of problems firsthand, right? Back in the old days, we were doing things uh, very manually to try and find the right influencers, manage those talent relationships and run campaigns. Uh, and, and so, out of, you know, from doing everything in Excel and email and PowerPoint, uh, we figured, oh, there's got to be an easier way to save us some time here. So started building some tools, just kind of experimenting and tinkering and figured out some ways to automate those processes. And then one day kind of woke up and realized, well, hey, clearly we're not the only ones facing this challenge. Let's, uh, let's build a business around this. So I teamed up with two partners and we launched Paladin about four and a half years ago. And uh, that's exactly what we focus on, right? We build influencer marketing software to help agencies, media companies, creator networks save time and better manage their business. And that means, you know, influencer discovery, campaign management, and real-time reporting across all the social platforms I mentioned and more, right? Obviously, Twitch, TikTok, and now the, the social space continues to grow. And so we've been focused on building solutions to save people time and, and run better influencer programs. Fantastic. I, I really loved the whole concept. And, and for the people listening and watching, you know, if you can solve a problem for yourself and be your own first customer, you don't often have to overthink a problem because if you're having that issue, almost certainly other people are also having that issue. Um, so there's a lot to be said about that. And I really like that, uh, that angle that you guys used. At what 100%. Point, at what yeah. point did you realize that, hey, we actually created a product that the masses could actually use? Sure. Well, you know, I was uh, connecting with friends and, and contacts in the industry. I would go to coffee meetings or, uh, you know, at, at events and conferences. And just everyone was trying to figure this out at the same time because the space was so new and, and quickly maturing. And so I'd ask people, I'd say, hey, how do you solve this problem? What are you doing today? And just got the same answers back. Hey, we're uh, doing it very manually. It's a lot of just... Uh, hours and, and time thrown at spreadsheets, whatever. Or I would hear, you know, we're trying to build tools or we're looking for a solution. What have you found? And that's when it hit us, you know, clearly if everyone is banging their head against the same wall, then there needs to be a tech solution for this. And yeah. influencer marketing was growing so quickly. It was obvious that it was changing uh, digital marketing, that it was a global phenomenon, not just uh, a single one-off event, that this was going to be a long-term trend with, with strong momentum. And we said, okay, well, if all this is happening, let's be the guys building the picks and shovels to empower this new industry, to empower this new creator class. And that's what we set out to do. Fantastic. I, I love it. I love the kind of the innovation, the way you pivot, the way you can constantly move. And that is so much in line with the industry that you're in as well, because sure. platforms and social media, it's just exploding. And 
it seems to be changing every few months at least, I would say. All the time. Yep. I mean, just this year, right? You think about uh, the controversy around TikTok and what the future you know, holds for them. Uh, Pinterest has been doing a number of interesting things. It's a platform we're certainly keeping our eyes on as they grow more aggressively into video. Uh, Snapchat, you know, rolled out uh, more public facing profiles and seems like it's actually leaning into the influencer space a bit more. Instagram launched reels. I mean, it, it's constantly there's new things happening. Yeah. And that's always going to be the case because as these platforms get bigger, they're just going to start fighting for eyeballs and bandwidth. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the business side. So that, that's really interesting to know that you're in such a, a fast changing um, industry let's just call it yeah sure but when we're talking about people and if they were to kind of use some of the same mindsets and philosophies to make similar decisions to you what kind of ran through your mind initially when you were working on creating the solution for yourself but then creating that into its own company and obviously you've grown that into a global ph phenomenon very very quickly sure but if we just break it down back to kind of the early days how did that look and kind of how did, how did you map that out into where it is today? Yeah. Well, I think it starts with, you know, we built the business to solve a problem, right? It wasn't uh, some sort of uh, screwball, get rich quick screen. Like we knew there was a real challenge here. We knew that software could provide a 10x solution, right? Over you know, doing it manually or these other traditional pain points we had been experiencing. So really lasering in on that problem that we knew we could solve and we felt we were uniquely suited to solve was number one. Uh, but how do we go about it? The more material to your question is, is a great, uh, great kind of thing to explore. And you know, the, the first kind of challenging part of that was we essentially looked to make all of our former competitors our customers, right? So setting out in this new venture is like, clearly we had been uh, working at an agency or a creator network that was um, at some times diametrically opposed or in a similar business model to those new agencies or, or other um, influencer businesses that we wanted to work with. So we had to think through, okay, how do we set up a business? What are the, the pain points, not just that we experience, but that everyone else in this industry is facing? And then how do we go about solving it, not just for the current uh, potential addressable customer market, but what are the future types of customers that we want to attract, right? So we had to think about, well, who's not just our, our initial customer, but how do we serve esports teams in the future? How do we serve um, traditional media companies, broadcasters, studios? Uh, we saw a huge trend in, in digital publishers growing. And so we wanted to serve those types of customers and we've launched new products around that. And most, uh, most importantly, our, our latest uh, venture, Measure Studio, which is a social analytics tool that benchmarks content performance. You know, we knew we wanted to have solutions to serve all of these types of customers in the social space, you know, for the digital age. Um, and after that, it was just kind of a matter of, of really listening, right? Like understanding the needs. And that was, you know, tapping our contacts, going out and talking to people and saying, you know, what, what are you looking for in a solution? And then carefully engineering something that would solve those problems, not just sitting around and thinking, what do we want to build? But asking the market, asking customers, uh, what are the things that you need in a solution and making sure what we ended up building reflected that. Really good point because, you know, a lot of people fall in love too much with the wrong product and they go down this rabbit hole of, oh, this is amazing. I love it. It's fantastic. But then nobody else feels the same way. So it's very, very hard to sell something like that and make that into a real uh, business as opposed to just a passion project. So I think 
there's some key takeaways for, for the listeners there is to, to really understand what the market is looking for. If you can really fill that market demand, take your own like preferences out of it to that degree, but listen to what the market is saying and what the market demands. And you'll, you'll find that your sales team does a very good job because you've lined it up perfectly for them. That's right. In fact, I, I often tell people, you know, I do a lot of uh, advisory work and coaching for early stage companies. And I tell them, you know, sales exists to drive revenue, right? That's the lifeblood of the business. But beyond that, sales serves a very important function in that it's your primary contact point with customers and potential customers, right? They're the people out in market representing your brand, talking to people all day long, and they can be your best source of feedback, right? Why are you not winning deals today? Uh, are you constantly, you know, finding yourselves losing out on business with a particular type of customer because you have a feature gap, right? Or because, you know, there's something wrong with your business model or your pricing or your marketing and your positioning, right? So sales often serves as that, that first line of, of feedback in terms of where should you be going? How can you improve the product to not just serve your existing customers who are going to always want new things, but serving that future potential customer as well? Yeah, that's really, really good advice. So let's pivot a little bit further down the line. So you've established the platform, you've got a few customers now, and you're growing very quickly. So we know you, you've grown tremendously. Do you want to share some of those stats uh, with the listeners? Yeah, sure. So we have customers now in a little over 30 countries across six continents. And uh, that's been an exciting part about building the business, right? Is we always recognize that this wasn't confined to just the US or just, you know, Western Europe, that this was going to truly be uh, something that impacted all forms of, of marketing advertising globally. And so we wanted to uh, be you know, be a thought leader, be someone who could bring influencer marketing to a global stage. And so we've done that. You know, we, we have uh, offices not just here in, in LA where I'm based, but also in Europe and, and in Asia. And we have, we're fortunate to have customers in all of those different markets. Uh, you know, that comes at, at great uh, expense because we've had to um, do a lot of localization. We support 13 major world languages today for all of the influencer facing elements of our platform. Uh, we support every currency. Uh, we have a global search database of influencers for every country, every language, every region. Uh, and so that's been, that's been important for us and exciting as a, an opportunity to support the future of influencer marketing at that scale. So as, as the business grows in all these different directions simultaneously, may I add, there's a lot of different stresses on you and your leadership team to kind of keep everyone pulling in the same direction, messaging and kind of the brand identity and culture. How are you overcoming that and what steps are you putting in place to make sure that all the employees globally have a similar experience and culture in the, in the office environment? Sure. Yeah, and it's an especially profound question this year in the midst of coronavirus, right? Because we're all struggling with how do you uh, advance the culture? How do you ensure strong communication? You know, I, I tell people, we feel very fortunate that we're in a business where we can all work from home. We can kind of move to, to this, um, this remote work uh, environment pretty seamlessly, right? I mean, as, a, as an organization, we were, we were able to make that transition, but it becomes even more important to maintain the culture, to maintain that communication. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of great tools that we lean on to assist us, whether that's Zoom and, and Google Meet, um, in addition to Slack and all the other channels that we use for communication. But sometimes it's just a matter of like scheduling uh, fun things to do with your team, right? We, we uh, did uh, a Jeopardy session with, with the group a couple months ago 
where we just got everyone together and had a friendly competition and answered some fun trivia questions. Um, and then it's, you know, working on projects together. We did a marketing hackathon this year with our uh, LA team on the business side to kind of think through what should we be doing as a, as a marketing organization? How can we all contribute to that? Whether it's content, whether it's, um, you know, other promotional aspects. So we found some creative ways to engage people and, and give them some new challenges outside of their day-to-day -day work. And then the other part of it is just, you know, kind of being there for each member of the team. And luckily, we're still at a, at a size where we could do that, or I at least, you know, make an effort to do that. Um, and that meant, you know, in the early days of coronavirus, it was just calling people or scheduling quick one-on-one -on -one check-ins to say, hey, how are you doing? Um, certainly on, on the professional front, how's your work going? And do you have all the tools and things that you need from us as a leadership organization to make sure that you're set up for success, but also just kind of personally, how are you dealing with everything going on and, you know, hanging in there. And so that's been an important part of it too. But, you know, we work really closely with our leadership team to, uh, uh, you know, make sure that the, the goals and the direction of the business are very clear and that people know what their individual role does to support that. And then especially uh, as we've onboarded new people, we've, we've been lucky to, to make some key new hires on the, you know, whether they're both engineers as well as new salespeople, new, new customer success and account management people, some of whom I've never met because I haven't had the chance to travel and, and meet them yet, or uh, because they've been onboarded, you know, during COVID and, and uh, haven't been able to come into the office or whatever, but um, getting a chance to, to work with them closely from a distance and, and remotely onboard them and just make sure they understand what we're all about, um, the values and the culture that, that we embody and making sure that they feel included and part of the team from, from day one. Yeah, no, all of that, it, it's, it makes perfect sense. And it must be a lot tougher hiring right now, like you said, with it being virtual 100% and you not being able to kind of meet the staff and shake their hands and kind of look them in the eye. There's always a lot to be said for that in-person meeting. How are you guys dealing with that and has it affected business at all? You know, we've been, I'd say, pretty fortunate on the hiring front. So the, the folks that we have hired uh, this year, uh, they've, they both come through our network on the business side. So we hired, um, well, I guess we hired two new sellers and one new uh, customer success person uh, just in the last, called six months, and uh, came, to, came to all of them through relationships that we had. And so with that, there's already kind of a sense of trust, and, and you can jump on a call or you can get to know them. Uh, but you have other people who can vouch for them. And so uh, I always encourage, you know, people who are, are looking to hire uh, to, to tap your network. That's going to be the greatest source of referrals. And if you can find people, do a reference check. And don't just talk to the references that they give you, but, you know, poke around on LinkedIn, see who you know in common or ask around about someone if they've been in the industry for a while. Um, and you'll get, you'll get some really good, honest feedback. And so that's what we did with, with our key business hires. Uh, you know, when it comes to hiring engineers, I uh, leave that to, to the experts. We've got, I have two very technical co-founders um, in addition to an incredible engineering team. And so, you know, we, we leave most of those decisions to the boots on the ground. And if there's a way that we can get involved and answer questions for the applicant or tell them about more of the business and why we're excited and what we're building towards, always happy to do that. But really when it comes to evaluating the strengths and the, the core technical capabilities of an engineering candidate, uh, we lean really heavily on on the, the experts that we've put in place and the team leadership that we have on the on the engineering and product side of the business. So there's a couple of things that I want to pick out. One, the tap your network referrals. Like we grow our business 100% currently through referrals and word of mouth. So that's worked fantastically for us. So it's, it's the same thing just from a people perspective, right? Yeah. And then secondly, 
you touched on a really good point. You've got a really strong team in certain areas that you're not an expert in. Leave mm-hmm. that to them. They know the language. <laughs> they know what they need. And having any form of ego or trying to go in there as the big boss, it's not going to be productive because they might not get the candidate that's going to be the best for that position. And mm-hmm. if you don't know inside out, this is where you need to have a lot more trust in your team and your staff to, to bring in someone who is a good fit, both culturally and then also has the ability to perform at a high level too, right? Yeah. And then you give them that confidence, right? You put that trust in them. And we have some, you know, newer engineering team leaders uh, who have who've recently risen to the challenge, right? They got promoted. There was an opportunity as we launch a new product for us to take someone and put them in that role. And, you know, they'll ask us questions. They'll, they'll maybe be a bit uh, nervous their first time out of the gate. And they'll say, uh, what should we do about hiring someone new for my team? And we tell them, you know, we'll post the job description and you can review the applicants and do the interviews. And it's your call. Like we trust you, right? We, we put our faith in you and you got this. And so that really gives people the confidence when they know that they, you have um, the support of the leadership team behind them. But the key thing is also one, you're promoting from within. So it gives people something across the company to aspire to and say, Hey, I want to stick around for the long run because I can see a future here and a career here rather than just jumping every few years like mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more common. And then also that you're building a future path so that new person coming in can see, oh, well, my manager used to be what I was doing and then he got promoted. So there's actually a good chance that if I do a good job, that I can stick around and I can also get promoted. It's, it, there's a lot to be said from promoting within and succession planning. Do you mm-hmm. have any formal succession planning in place or how do you kind of look at that as a whole? Yeah, we do. So we make it very clear, especially on the engineering front, what the tracks are, right? And so with engineers, uh, some are very passionate about doing the work and being an individual contributor. In fact, we recently hired a a fellow um, who had been a a team lead at his previous job and said, you know, it wasn't really for me. I I can do the management stuff and and all the, you know, kind of um, uh, logistical elements of what goes into being a team lead. But he's like, I, I really just didn't like it. I, I prefer to be, uh, you know, a, a subject matter expert and a strong individual contributor who can write code and, you know, ship great uh, features. And that's what I want to focus on. We said, no problem. Like, we're happy to find a role here that, that fits, you know, your interests and your abilities. And then we have, you know, other people who certainly aspire to um, growing into a leadership role and coaching others and are just naturally a good fit for it. And so, you know, we outline what are the steps? How do you go from you know, a, a junior developer to a mid-level developer to a senior developer and sometimes even an architect or a VP of engineering. And so it's very clear we have a, a standard kind of performance review cycle. We have uh, very clear outlines and expectations and, and a kind of a 360 degree feedback process of, you know, how do we think they're doing, but more importantly, what do their direct reports or their, their, um, their leaders think that, that they're doing. And then on the business side, very similar, we, we invest heavily in professional development, whether that's, um, you know, attending conferences and events or courses or finding other ways to enrich what you're doing uh, and giving you exposure, not just to your current role, but to other roles that might hold interest for you, right? So whether it's giving you a new project to, to take the helm on uh, to get some additional experience or work cross-functionally with other members of the team to see, hey, do I like product or, hey, do I like operations or sales? Can I kind of dip my toe in the water and, and see if that's maybe a, a career path that I want to grow into or additional responsibilities that I want to take on? And that's, that's been successful. And we, you know, we also um, try to plan things internally for skill sharing, right? So have people work together and, 
and maybe lead an internal seminar uh, about you know new new strategies or tactics that they're working on or things that they've learned or read about right oh hey i just read this great book and i want to share the key insights with the team so you know, we make time and space um, internally to share those types of best practices. Yeah, that's really good doing like lunch and learns and cross-functional things as well. That it makes a lot of sense. And then for, to have that clear roadmap, I think is key so that people know exactly where they stand. And, you know, I got, got given some advice when I was very young and it was, you're going to have three types of people in any business. One is the person that wants to come in and shoot all the way to the top. The other is the person that's going to, happily stay there similar to the engineer example that you gave stay on the level clock in clock out do a good job and away they go and the third is someone who comes in and leaves pretty quickly because they don't like it they can't handle it or whatever and it's about finding a good balance of all three because you're inevitably going to have all three in your business but you don't want too many people at the bottom level you don't want too many people aiming at the stars and then no one in the middle actually doing the work so finding a nice uh, level playing ground that makes sense for the stage at which your business is at because as you go through a business life cycle at the early stages of a startup it's chaotic and then as you start maturing and getting into like a longer history of things things change again so it's it's always changing which you know it's, it's always solving the puzzle right yeah. And all of those different types of people need different things, right? The, the star performers who are going to go like that, have the gas, have the fuel to get there. They just need you to empower them, remove the obstacles to their success, you know, give them additional skills or coaching and helping them course correct on that, on that path. The people who are going to stay in the middle, it's not to mean they can't advance their skills, you know, sharpen the, the skill set. Uh, they might just want to go really deep in their, their technical capabilities, right? They want to master their craft and so they need um, a different type of uh, support and, and environment to coach them and help them kind of continually refine their skill set so yeah you do have to adjust and adapt to um, each type of person to give them the, the support and the, the tools they need to, to succeed great awesome Jim so as we look to wrap up I like to end with one question so if you had to attribute your success between three factors those factors being drive, skill, and luck. How would you apportion that out? <laughs> oh boy, it's a it's a fantastic question, and certainly you know all three are involved. So, um, gosh, when when we started this business, uh, there's no doubt there was a huge amount of luck involved, and just the right timing, the right people, the right industry. Uh, but we also felt that hey, we were uniquely suited to tackle this problem. And so, you know, I don't know if if skill is the right word, but certainly some element of uh, experience and um, enthusiasm, expertise, kind of leaning into uh, this this space and building out um, the best in class tools for influencer marketing possible. Uh, and then you know, drive is 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 paramount, right? That's like everything that a good startup founder and his team need is uh, you need to have that that ambition. You need to have that vision to think big and tackle the problem. And so for us, you know, I mean. Back when I was uh, young and, and certainly hungry, you know, we were, we were working all the time. And that was, that was good. But I tell founders, you know, there's a difference in terms of what the business needs from, from you uh, in the first 12 months versus what it might need from you three, five years in. And so, you know, back in the day when I was working 14, 16 hour days, working Saturdays and Sundays, you know, a lot of startup founders wear that as a badge of honor of like, look how much blood, sweat and tears and putting into the business and look how far we've come. Over results, right? Yeah. Right. It's, it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe you need a little bit of that at the beginning, 
but eventually you need to find ways to work more intelligently, right? To, to think about, okay, where am I inserting myself to strategically add value? How am I, you know, learning from what's working and, and quickly uh, pivoting if things aren't going as planned? And then how do you uh, find time to recharge, right? How, what are you doing to give back? Maybe there's other uses for your time to enrich the community that will also pay dividends in other ways. So, you know, that's for me, like getting more involved in advising and coaching, being a mentor um, for, for students and for others who are, are earlier on in their careers. Uh, that's been a really valuable way that I've found kind of rounds out the other things that I do, um, but still helps me feel like, you know, it, it, like I get to pursue the drive, but, but rounding it out in other areas. So you certainly need all three elements. I don't know what the exact uh, breakdown is, but certainly there's a huge amount of luck you need the drive and you need the skill to, to kind of um, to get there. And so uh, don't discount it. It's, it's definitely all three. Got it. Okay, great. Thanks, James. We'll put the links below for your website and your business so people can get in touch with you if you'd like. Um, Please. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Casey. It's been a blast.